you're, if you're new with us this morning, welcome. Welcome. We are, we are honored that you're here uh, among us. We have a free lunch for you next week. So if you're visiting, uh, you're one week off. But, but we invite you back next week, and, and there's a lunch for you in the hospitality room that we host with no agenda. We just want to get to know you. Um, we're a church family who, who are eager, by God's grace, to be disciples who make disciples and plant churches. That's, that's what we're eager to be and to become. And what that means is that we are a community that, that is made alive by the saving gift of Jesus. We've been made alive by the gospel and then put on to his mission because of the gospel. We follow his lead because of what he's done. And that's who we desire to be as a church family, uh, being bearers of his good news to the world as we are changed. That's who we are. So we're glad you're with us if you're visiting with us. Um, as Bill said, go ahead and find your way to Luke chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there are a few in the foyer that you are welcome to borrow or even to have if you need it. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Lord, Teach Us. Lord, Teach Us. And, and in this series, we've studied carefully through Luke chapter 11 through Luke 14. And in these chapters, Jesus is giving his disciples dynamics of a mission of the kingdom of God. The dynamics of, of what it looks like to follow him, even after he's gone, into the, the kingdom that he has opened up for his people. And so we've seen Jesus calling out to his disciples, calling out to the crowds, even amidst uh, persecution, even, even amidst opposition. Come, follow me. This offer of God's life, it applies to you too. Here's how this mission moves forward step by step. And so as, as we've looked at these chapters, we've seen and we've asked, Lord, teach us. Teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to see by faith. Lord, teach us to be generous. Lord, teach us to trust you. Teach us to, teach us to respond and be ready to respond at your coming. And so many other, uh, other things in these chapters. Jesus doesn't teach to the mind only. Let's keep that in view as we look at his word. This isn't for our knowledge. Jesus teaches the whole person, mind, body, soul. He desires our whole person to follow him. And so this week, I'm praying for that message of God to impact our whole soul. So please stand as we read. There are three separate stories in the passage together, but they work together. They work together to deliver God's word. Uh, we're beginning in Luke chapter 12, verse 54. And Jesus said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, It's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but how is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? Are you going to, as you're going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way? Or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you won't get out until you've paid the last penny. And now there were some present at that time who 
who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or what about those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell fell upon them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. And then he told them this parable. There was a man who had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he, he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. And so he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up any more soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone just for one more year. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, then we'll cut it down. This is God's word to his church. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Father, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there we see what we need to have a, a life change. Uh, in your presence, you, you, you grab a hold of us and you uh, pull us to yourself, and that's a good thing. And so we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are alive, that by your spirit you draw near and I pray for that, for that drawing near as, it, as it's begun, as, we've, as we have worshipped you together. Uh, may it continue, God, as we are in your word. Tear down any obstacles, Father, and let us hear and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm, I'm not usually one who likes to make rush decisions. I, um, I don't like to take rash actions. If there's a salesman who's trying to close the deal that day, or if, there, or if there's someone on the phone who says, I need to make a decision that moment, I resist. That, that's just not who I am. I don't like operating like that. But there are times in everyone's life when we have to act, right? And we have to act now. Maybe you're in a time like that right now. I, I, I came home from work at a normal time last September, September 23rd, and uh, we decided to take a walk as a family. And so I was outside getting the boys ready in the front yard, and we were talking about whether we were going to bring our bikes or not, and uh, Kelly comes to the door and she says, I don't think I'm going to be going on a walk. And I look, I, we have four or five steps, and I ran, ran up to her and I said, what is it? And she, she looks me in the eyes and she says, I think it's time. Did I mention she was 39 weeks pregnant? <laughs> she, I think it's time. Okay, so so ended the walk, right? And so set off a flurry of events and activity that had us leaving the house 25 minutes later, driving 30 minutes down to Martha Jeff, and then 15 minutes later, 15 minutes later, welcoming <laughs> little sweet Maya into the world. Um, it didn't feel like an emergency at the time. Uh, But we had no room for delay. We had no room, no time for delay. We did not want to have the baby on Route 29. 
who does, right? But there are moments in life where uh, God calls us to action and not delay. He calls us to respond. In today's passage, Jesus presses the importance again and again of action. It is the opportune time, Jesus says. He, he tells us to act. Do not wait. And Jesus isn't a, a salesman on commission here. He's, he is speaking words of love. Rather than seeking his own good, he's seeking our good. Let's hear him correctly as we hear his words. This isn't pressure from the Lord Jesus. This is love. This is more like a first responder going with a hurricane four bearing down, knocking on door to door to door. The time is up. The levees will not hold. It's time to flee. It's time to leave because the floodwaters are rising. Get out now. The Spirit is more that of sacrifice and of love. And that's how Jesus is speaking to the crowds here, beginning in verse 54. We know he's speaking widely to the crowds, a mixed group. There are some there who are, who, who are uh, believing and pressing in to know him more. And there are some there who are skeptical and doubting. And there are some who are actively resisting and pushing back against what Jesus said. It's a, it's a mixed group. And he's talking to all of them. And with these three separate illustrations, he points to a singular idea. As Bill referred to earlier, the idea is repent. Repent. The time is now. To all people, repent now without delay. So what is repentance? Because I believe that's the word the living Christ wants to speak to us this morning perhaps corporately as well as individually, repent. So what is it, right? Repentance, it sounds, sounds churchy, it sounds religious, it even sounds gloomy, does it not, depending on your background. Does that word sound gloomy to you, repentance? But repentance is neither gloomy nor churchy. It, repentance is tender, right? It's more tender than the sidewalk preacher calling out, repent. Repentance is applicable. It's, it's so much more applicable than a list of do's and don'ts and things to follow or obey. It's satisfying. So, repentance is so much more fulfilling than, than saying, stop sinning. That's not what the Lord is saying in and of itself. Repentance through Jesus means life for those who walk in it. I don't do this often, but I feel like we need a waterfall of Scripture here to put us on the same page what is repentance? Don't try to take these texts down. Just take in the broad, the full picture of this idea of repentance. Take in the weight of it all. Repentance, it demonstrates God's kindness. Right? The mere availability of repentance to us is God's heart, his grace to us. He says, Paul writes, God's patience and kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. And repentance is for sinners, right? He's leading sinners to repentance, as we see in Luke 5. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The words of Christ. And so I, I suppose if you're not a sinner, you can tune me out. If this doesn't apply to you, if you're able to keep your, your standards, even your standards, your own standards for your own life, if you're able to keep them perfectly in thought, in word, in deed, in what you say, then, then you don't have to listen. But if you're aware that you don't live 
as you want to live, as you don't desire as you want to desire, then keep listening. Repentance leads to forgiveness. As Peter preaches, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So there's this kindness of God towards sinners that leads to forgiveness. Turning from sin, turning to God is necessary for forgiveness. There's a writer, an old writer, a Puritan writer, Thomas Watson, who said, turning from sin is like pulling the arrow from the wound, but turning to God is like pouring in the balm. God commands this. He commands our joy. He commands, he commands our joy. He says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere, all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Perhaps you fall into that category as well. So what else? Repentance causes joy in heaven. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Over one sinner. God not only commands repentance and brings our life out of repentance, but it delights him. It delights him. And finally, repentance leads to salvation. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Salvation is not just in the past. It's not just of the future, but salvation now, walking in the life that God has for us now. We are being saved as we follow the Lord Jesus and his spirit. So repentance is this door that allows us to walk into the salvation that God has for us. By repenting and believing, we are positioning ourselves for life in God's kingdom. Repentance is a gift. It's a gift. So what is repentance? A grace from God that turns us to God and away from sin transforming our relationship with him. Repentance is renewal of a relationship with God that changes our entire person, our thoughts, our words, our actions. He changes us as we repent. So in light of all this, church, it's time to repent. That's the message of the scripture this morning. There's a daily repentance, there's an ongoing repentance in the life of a believer, a continual repentance, but there is also and are also those key moments, those key turning points in each one of our lives where God says, now is the time. This is the opportune season. I am opening a door for you now, for you today, to take a step that's going to change your life. And so let's move to open this door and to walk into this grace, whether it's a key change for a lifetime or whether it's continual act of repentance. I've been praying this week for God to prick our hearts, to, to, to move our souls to action, for God to reveal specific areas of repentance in your life, even as I'm speaking, that we might respond to him and that he may grant us repentance because it's grace that he grants to his church. And so as we look at this passage, here's what we're going to see. It's time to repent. It's time to repent. The season has come. The situation is urgent. And the conditions are ripe for repentance. So will we repent? It's time. And the season has come.
That's, that's what he means in verses 54 through 56. The season for repentance has come. He uses examples from the weather. So if you, if you, see, if you see a cloud rising from the Mediterranean, you know it's time to, to bring an umbrella. If you, if you feel a breeze coming up from the desert, you know it's going to be hot. And you should probably hydrate a little bit. These are obvious signs that everyone around him would know what's coming with the weather. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, my appearing, my works, my teaching, my love, it's an obvious sign that God has opened wide the doors of salvation for you. He's opened them wide. If you were here last week, do you remember what he said in Luke 4 as he quoted Isaiah? He said, today is the year of salvation, this year of favor. This year of favor, not a 365 days, but a season which, when God is opening the doors for us to walk into his life. And that's the season we're still in. It's not a point in time in the history, but it's, it's our season that we live in now. Now is the time of God's saving presence in our midst. It's now. Now is the season of repentance. It's time. God is opening the door for you to walk through. Will you walk in it? Jesus asked the people, how, how is it that you don't know? And how is it that we don't know? What, what is it that causes us to miss opportunity from the Lord? Are, are we missing the opportunity and have we missed opportunity to repent because of shame? Fear of man, embarrassment, fear of being exposed. I know I've delayed confessing to my accountability partner because of shame. Has, has shame held you back from repenting? Are you missing because of pride? Are you missing the opportunity to repent because of pride? I, I haven't been quick enough in the past to say, my heart is cold this week. My devotions are, are dry during this season. As a pa I'm not supposed to feel that way as a pastor. I haven't been quick enough to say, I'm, I'm feeling dry. I'm feeling cold. I'm feeling distant because of pride. Why are you missing the opportunity? Is it because you love your sin? You treasure your sin more when, when push comes to shove than the Lord Jesus? Whatever the reason, for some of us, there's, an, there's a resistance to this opportunity to repent. There's resistance. Even when it's right in front of our face, there's resistance. And this is spiritual darkness. This is a spiritual battle that's going on. We have an enemy of our soul that wants to keep us from repenting. And so know that you are engaging in, a, in spiritual battle here. It's time to repent. The season is here. The season has come. So what if we wait? What, what if we delay? That's what the next paragraph helps us to see. The season has come and the, the situation is urgent. In verses 57 to 59, to make a point, Jesus describes what happens when a person is heading to court with someone that they owe a debt to. Is it better to try to settle that out of court or to leave it up to the judge? Justice will demand that we pay the debt. And, and his point here is not to figure out, okay, who's the adversary, who's the judge, who's the officer, who's the magistrate, who, who are all the point? The purpose is this, that we are on our way to the judgment seat, and God is just to judge sin. He's just. He's the only one 
who is holy and just? Has our debt been paid? The situation is urgent. You know, I've put my faith in Christ, you say, right? I'm covered. I'm safe. If you belong to Christ, then you know how important it is to keep short accounts and to turn continually to God for grace. You know how important that is. A disciple is one who regularly, continually turns to God for his favor and turns from sin. A a disciple does not profane grace by living with unrepentant sin. Hear, Hear the word. It's don't trample on the goodness of God by refusing to repent of sin that you know about. Don't trample on the goodness of God. Think about how relationships work. If, if, I, if I offend Kelly, if I sin against Kelly, and there's a, there's a distance that grows between us until we reconcile, right? That's just how relationships work. What if layer upon layer, sin upon sin, offense upon offense grows up over time? I can't live in unity with Kelly based solely on promises made 16 years ago, right? We have to keep short accounts. Marriages break up over the lack of repentance and reconciliation. A good relationship is quick to confess, quick to repent, quick to forgive. We have a relationship with our Father in heaven. The same writer, Thomas Watson, says, and he wrote a whole book on repentance, but be as speedy in repentance as you wish God to be in his mercies. Do we want God to forgive? Do we want him to be quick with his mercy? Be as speedy in our repentance as God with his mercies. So asking for God's mercy at some point in the past and then living in habitual, unconfessed sin that we know about is a sign of weak faith at best, counterfeit faith at worst. So the situation is urgent. It's one thing to battle sin regularly, to experience victory and defeat, and to have brothers and sisters around us that are helping us to battle, to daily turn to him and be in the battle against sin. That is what God's calling us into as disciples. It's quite another thing to let sin get established, to to not take it seriously, to let sin remain consciously hidden, undisturbed, out of sight. The situation is urgent, right? And waiting for a better opportunity or a better day should not be an option, right? When, when would it be better to repent? When, when, when the sin exposes you to public ridicule? When a relationship is broken? After it causes you to lose your job? When is a better time to turn from sin that you know you're living in? If you're at home and you can see the forest fire line on the horizon, then it's time to get out, right? If you've had a fever of 106 for 24 hours, it's time to act. You don't just, the the situation is urgent. And if we're walking in known sin and not repenting, the situation is urgent. That's what Jesus says. And so are we responsive? When we become aware of sin in our own lives, are we unwilling to, to let it stay and, and stain us. I, I'm a mess when I eat. 
And Kelly has taught me over the years that if I, if I spill all over myself and I clean it up right away, there's a good chance that stain will come out. But if I just leave it be, it's gonna, I'll have tattooed yet another shirt with, with my mess. Are we responsive? Are, 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 do, we, do we take our, our, our mess to the Lord as soon as he quickens our mind to it? The time for repentance might run out. That's what Jesus says in verses 57 to 59. The time to turn may run out. So when the judge throws us in jail, it's too late. So the situation is urgent. Is God stirring you to repentance? Today may be a day to leave a dark area behind and come and find the warm renewal of God's light in your life. Is he stirring you? The season is now. The situation is urgent. And finally, the conditions are ripe. That's the message in the first nine verses of chapter 13. The conditions are ripe because we all share a spiritual reality. We are sinners in need of repentance and, and we know that sin has various consequences and repercussions in this life. But it's not only especially bad, grievous sins that lead to death. Right? All sin leads to death. They, they make us equally guilty. That's what I mean when I say the conditions are ripe. We have sin in our lives. Jesus teaches this by answering a question that some folks asked him in Chapter 13, verse 1. There were folks in the crowd who asked Jesus about some Galileans who had been persecuted. It, it appears they had gone to make sacrifice, and Pilate had killed them uh, upon their sacrifice. And it was common in the first century, and I suppose it's common today, to think, well, you know what? They got what was coming to them. Bad things happen to bad people, and good things happen to good people. That's a religious spirit, right? That's, a, that's a, the way the world views judgment and grace, Jesus says, no. Do you think they were more sinful because what Pilate did? No. But listen, repent or you too will die. Do you think the people who, who the tower fell upon were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem at that time? No. But I tell you, listen, repent or the same type of thing will happen to you. You will die. If you were working on the 98th floor of the North Tower in 2001, New York City, were you more guilty than if you were three blocks away? Were the folks at Pulse nightclub in Orlando last week, were they more guilty, worse sinners, because of the un evil that was unleashed against them? I tell you, no, Jesus says. Were our friends in Haiti who died in the earthquake worse sinners than those who did not die? No. Are those struck down by illness at an early age worse sinners than those who live long? No. The spiritual reality remains the same. We all sin. We all repent. We all need Christ. We all die. Whether we die by terror or tragedy or illness or natural causes, all physical death points to a spiritual reality. The writer of Hebrews says, people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. That, that's our shared um, result. The conditions are ripe. The conditions are ripe and the time of God's waiting is coming to a close. No one knows the time 
or the place or the hour. But just as the vineyard worker prepares the soil and fertilizes the fig tree for one more year in hopes that it would bear fruit, so Jesus is making a way possible for us to open the door and walk in, to walk into life, to walk into his grace, to walk into his forgiveness. He's making that way possible. It's the year of favor. We get to live in it. We, we have this opportunity. It's the time of the tender mercy of our God, says Luke chapter 1, a period of patience. Jesus, the crucified yet risen one, stands before us and says, come to me. Come to me and find life. Come to me and find forgiveness. I can cover your sin. I can break the chains. I can free you. I can free you. So it's time to repent. Taking our sin out of darkness and into light. It's a continual call daily. But for some of us, there's an opportune time for something that you've been pushing down for a long time. And so we're going to have some time to act. But first, how do we repent? All right, what does this look like real broadly? How do we repent? Repentance begins with seeing our sin. Has God, has God brought sin to your view screen? Do you, do you see something that you've been walking in? It begins by seeing and then sorrowing for our sin, confessing our sin to the Lord. And then there's this process of turning to the Lord, turning to his healing, and turning away from sin. If, we, if you meditate in Colossians 3, it's, it's taking off the old self, the self that is no longer ours, and taking on the new self, this new identity that God has said you are in Christ. That's what repentance looks like. It's not magical. The call to repentance is not just for today, though. Let's hear this. It, there's an opportune season, but on Tuesday, God still wants that change in our lives. On Thursday and next week, the week after, he wants us to walk with people and see this change come uh, and, and have some staying power in our lives. So with that said, perhaps today, though, is the day of action for some of us. A starting point on the path of healing, the path of life. And I want to make space for us to place ourselves before the Lord and see if he's calling us to repent. Some of you, I, I really believe some of you already know he's calling you to repent. So we're going to take some time now together corporately to in quiet, Julie's going to play, and we're going to seek the Lord and ask the question, are you calling me to repent? Is this, is this a special season? Is this a special opportunity, a special moment? Is the, are the waters being stirred up for me to step out and to confess and to turn from sin? For many of us, it may be a regular, continual repentance that he's calling us to. And so let's take some time together now corporately. But then during communion, there'll be some extra folks ready to pray. I'm going to ask the elders to stand ready to pray on both front sides and then in the back. But let's pray. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, Hebrews says. Because he loves you. He loves you. God, God loves you. He has created you. He's given you your identity. He's given you your hope. He loves you and is calling you to life. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of repentance.
Father, corporately we pray and we we seek where we need to repent together as a church for the our coldness to the lost. Lord, direct our thoughts, direct our our minds, direct our souls as we seek you now. Father, we pray for the grace to respond. We pray for the courage. And Father, if you are revealing dark places of our soul, Lord, by mercy, as you've given us light to see, Lord, by mercy, help us to turn to you. I'd like to call the, those who are serving communion to the front. 